Hey guys, it's Renee from Throwing Down with Renee and Misha. Today on the podcast, we're going to discuss Miley Cyrus and her amazing handling of a New Year's wardrobe malfunction. Listen, it happens to the best of us. Plus, we speak to senior editor of Combat Sports for Sporting News, Andreas Hale. We talk about the big swole Tony Khan AEW situation that took over social media over the weekend. Let's get into it. So Miley Cyrus had her New Year's Eve party, her and Pete Davidson, which, by the way, why are all these hot babes banging Pete Davidson? Uh, Do you think he's hot? I think he's kind of hot, actually, a little bit. I need to look. But you know what? I'm the worst. I'm going to look up <laughs> Kelly is. says he's ugly hot. <laughs> you don't know Not, who Pete Davidson is? Let me look. I might. The, I don't know by name. Just But no, wait, I, isn't, I don't he on, dating, like, oh. isn't he actually dating? Isn't he actually dating Kim Kardashian? Who 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 is so he? They My say. So he was from he's um on SNL, and he was he was engaged to Ariana Grande. I think that's what really like sprung him this on the so, scene. See, I'm I just don't I don't like to keep up. I don't keep up on that kind of stuff. Is that is, I'm so I, know I don't I'm really mean out to either. But it's in my face, and here I am. I know. Here he you is. Must have those. You must have those cookies on your computer, and they must just. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, yeah. No, I do know who that is. Um. He's got a good facial structure. Terrible. He just has a bad. No, he has a good face structure. I like his bone structure. He just uh, has a not. He's like the style. His um, his his. Uh, I know. I know. He's exactly very he's. I grungy. Some shows with him. Yeah. Like you know, he smells funny. He probably smells like patchouli one hondo. Yeah, that and weed, which I don't mind. I don't mind patchouli to be completely honest. Um. Okay. So. Uh, Pete Davidson, Miley Cyrus, they had their New Year's Eve party and Miley's titties popped out, um, which I think is spectacular, but not uh, so I didn't I didn't watch it and get to see it in real time. But what happened was she came out and she was singing Party in the USA, which I would give you a rendition of. But you guys have burned me more than once, so I will not do it. Um, <laughs> no, no, but, uh, Renee, she... please do, do sing. <laughs> yeah. we I'm never. like hopped you up on day great, right now. Actually. Don't tempt me. I'm, I was going to say. We were, I was listening to it. I was Somebody like, count me good. in. Yeah, you didn't even have the music originally either. Or just producers put that in after the fact. I'm like, damn, just giving Dolly a just, run for her money. Just trying to get discovered, you know, trying to get discovered you here. Yeah, been One discovered, show at a time. lady. <laughs> um, so Miley Cyrus comes out to sing Party in the USA and she's got on like this little like silver dress like Slinky. literally held on by like uh, dental floss and it pops off as something that Tiny does so the song keeps going on background singers are doing their thing Miley disappears for a little bit and comes back in this like gigantic red blazer which she really owned I think Miley Cyrus is cool as all hell um, she's a babe she's super talented and she really knows how to handle a wardrobe malfunction um so kudos to her um i don't she know i thought the, I, yeah she completely owned it but I it's funny it. because it's so different than how um like the janet jackson thing went down like janet jackson's boob came out and you like holy shit did like the, it, shit, it hit the fan people freaked out when that happened no way we can't see that boob i mean it's a little different when it's like the super bowl i guess it also for sure seemed planned um it's different than a New Year's Eve party. Everyone's already drunk. It's also Miley Cyrus, who I think she she I don't think she's wearing a bra ninety percent of the time. I wouldn't either if I had those tiny, great little boobs. Right. I've been breastfeeding for <laughs> the last little while. Nobody wants to see my. I, boobs. I need it's to like keep a, mine locked up, or they'll be everywhere. Oh my god! I, I'm like Franken titty over here. Nobody needs to be a part of that. <laughs> so so Miley wants oh the god. letters out. Girl, get after it. 
Um, but so you mentioned before when we were talking about this uh, before we came on the air about when Mariah Carey got busted at a New Year's part or New Year's Eve soiree uh, in 2016 when she was lip syncing. What's yeah. more embarrassing, a booby popping out or being caught lip syncing? Uh, I think that the ramifications of being caught lip syncing is right? definitely going to last. I mean, like, no, especially gonna... when you're regarded as like the best vocalist of our right. whole lives. Right. And everyone's kind of like, oh, she's past her vocal prime and just kind of like really hit her below the belt. That one did. That, that sucks. Could you well, imagine? Also, you that's like kind of not fair. Like, I just don't feel like singing today or like my voice hurts or whatever. Maybe she wasn't <laughs> getting paid enough to sing without a track. You know, maybe they should have paid her more. She'd been like, all right, let me do a little vocal warm up. Let me get a little honey, a little throat coat. Maybe let's throw this down. Maybe she would good, have done it differently. Yeah, good point. Maybe, but maybe like, that's what it's it was, a funny but... point too of like, is she past her vocal prime? Like, guys, if we don't have enough to worry about, I got to worry about right? being past my vocal, vocal prime? prime. What does that Holy. even mean? What? Um, <laughs> but, but as far as Miley Cyrus's titty popping out, I don't think that's such a, such a bad thing. I mean, it's not no. like the woman has anything to uh, be ashamed of. She's got like no. a, a perfect body. So it's funny though. It, what like made me think about like when I saw that, it reminded me one time I was doing a pay-per-view um, for WWE. I cannot remember what pay-per-view it was, but I was wearing honest. I mean, I'm never like all that scantily clad, but I was wearing this dress that was Really quite revealing, but I was like, no, fuck it. Let's get these girls out there and let's have a good time. But as soon as the camera came on me, the producer's like, what are you wearing? (laughs) (laughs) And I threw it to a video package of something. And one of the producers on the other side of the camera came over and we came back. I was wearing a full like men's blazer over my dress. Why is it that like that those Fox was really weird about that, too, about like any cleavage what's like even just the hint of cleavage was like oh no yeah, like, like why you are cannot... they like that why so high and tight come on yeah everyone like calm it's, down as much as listen i love a crew neck. like oh yeah let's, let's sell some tickets here you know let's get some eyes on the product <laughs> let's go if it's done tastefully and like it's not like you're suggesting well, me wear this this was an outfit that i picked out let me yeah. show a little side boob it's my prerogative i'm not if i show you a nipple fine you can be mad but like, if it's just an underboob, that's my underboob. Is that, to yeah, show is to that the world. so offensive? Is it? I don't it think be. so. I love an under underboob and side boob. Oh my god, I would take that over full cleavage any day. Yeah, side boob is sexy. It is. And underboob is though, sexy. Though, <laughs> though, last night I went to bed wearing this shirt that was like it just cut funny, and I was wearing a sports bra under it. There's nothing worse than waking up in your tank top and like there's like a boob flopped out to the side. That is not that's the cute move. Too much. It's too much, and I don't recommend it. Um, but hey, these <laughs> things happen, you know. These yeah, things all my, happen. My, those are that. That's me, like ninety percent of the time when I was when I was nursing. <laughs> I had my baby in there. I was like, my boobs were always out and doing. You know, mine were their own. It's funny when that happens, though, when you're breastfeeding, and it's like these are just public domain at this point. Yeah, Get them out it's there. no longer my body. It's this is shared property. It's our body, the Earth's <laughs> body. <laughs> Gravity's body too. <laughs> oh my God, Gravity, <laughs> you cruel beast! Yes, Give me my back little, my, my, my bouncy little boobs, sucking babies, my little milk monsters. <laughs> they didn't help the the progress. No, it didn't, didn't help. It did not help the case. 
Hi, everyone. I'm Hall of Fame sportscaster Leslie Visser, and I've got a new podcast, In Conversation, where I'll draw from 45 years of covering the Final Four, the NBA Finals, Wimbledon, the World Series, the Super Bowl, the Olympics. CBS even sent me to the fall of the Berlin Wall. I think you'll enjoy the give and take, so subscribe today wherever you stream your podcasts or listen on the SXM app included in most subscriptions. Joining us now, he's the senior editor of Combat Sports for Sporting News. He's also the co-host of Wrestling with Stereotypes and the Corner Podcast. Andreas Hale is joining us. Andreas, thank you so much for joining the show. A repeat customer. I think you're our first repeat guest. How exciting. Well, damn, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. I'm honored. And we're going right into 2022. It's, yes. it's a pleasure. Man. I know. I know. <laughs> yes, yes. Happy New Year, Misha. How are you doing? I'm doing just fantastic. Thank you. It's been a good couple days. We're into the new year so far. It's our first show of the year, too. So thank you for being a part of it. Absolutely. Yes. Well, Andreas, let's roll up our sleeves and let's get into this. Um, wrestling Twitter has been a little bit crazy um, for a couple of days. Uh, we spoke about it a little bit earlier on the show, but um, Big Swole um, says being released or her contract had expired with All Elite Wrestling. Um, and she, um, you know, went on an interview and was talking about lack of diversity, lack of structure within AEW. Um, and then we were followed up with that with um, a tweet from, from Tony Khan saying the top two AEW execs are are Brown, me, and Mega. Jade, Bowens, Caster, Dante, Nyla, Isaiah, Mark Quinn. Are, they all won on TV this last month. The TBS title tournament has been very diverse. I let Swole's contract expire as I felt her wrestling wasn't good enough. Um, what was your reaction to this? I mean, you know, I was kind of following everything online, just seeing, gosh, what the reaction was going to be from a tweet like that. Um, and I found your tweets to be sort of the most insightful as to you know, just what diversity really is and means within the world of professional wrestling and like Big Spool's comments. I have like a million questions for you, but what was your initial reaction to seeing both sides of this? Well, when I saw Tony's tweet, I saw a frustrated executive who has been really working on diversity and getting it really bad on social media. And the first part I thought was totally fine for him to say that. Then he said what he said about Swole. And Regardless of whether he believes it or not, whether whether he believes the swell wasn't good enough and he didn't renew a contract, it buried the lead because Twitter is a cesspool and they sink their teeth in the most salacious bit of news. And that part felt like an executive punching down. And from that point on, everything he said about diversity got negated, which I thought was unfair because I think he was making a valid point. But to go ahead and say something about a, a former employee, it just negated everything he was trying to say. And what about from Big Swole's point of view, from like what she had said throughout her interview for, for a lack of diversity? I mean, obviously we can't speak to the structure within AEW. None of us work there, so we don't know. But um, just in terms of diversity that, that we've been able to see through, through AEW. You know, it's tricky because I've, I've seen this, this conversation happen about diversity. And then I see people saying, I want black people in the main event. And there's, there's two different trains of thought because diversity is not just African-Americans. It means people of color, women, you know, the LGBTQ community. And I think those are all represented in AEW. Um, but I see a lot of people arguing about, well, we haven't had an African-American male challenge for the AEW title. And that's a lack of diversity. That's not necessarily true. That's a different conversation. And I think Swole's points, they're not invalid. I think she, she has a lot of good points. 
Um, but it's all based on perspective. We can't really talk about the structure within the company, but I think there is diversity there. But I think the argument can be made that, yes, I'd like to see a male challenge for the title. But at the same time, Jay Cargill is getting a monster push. We see uh, Max Castle. We see the, the, the acclaimed. We see a private party. Like, we see Nyla Rose. The first three AEW women's champions were all minorities, two Asians sure. and Nyla. So it's their diversity exists you have to just define what diversity is and i think a lot of people conflate the two issues and it becomes a little messy there's a better way to approach that what do you think is a better way to approach that uh say what we want you know uh if you're if you're upset about the main event picture and you're saying that we should have an african-american male well we need to parse that out because right now, let's just be honest, if Scorpio Sky were to go over on Adam Page, people are like, what the hell? That's bad storytelling. And it feels right. like a reaction rather than actually seeing somebody ascend to that position. Um, but we have to acknowledge that diversity does exist in AEW. And I think Tony made a very valid point. Yes, him and Mega are two people of color. And then you add, uh, like you add Brandy and now you have three people of color in executive positions. Those are all yeah. facts. That's all true. Yeah. Um, I just wish he didn't punch down because now it feels like those naysayers, the naysayers are going to come out in droves because they look he at what gave WWE them is something. doing. Yeah, you, you just can't do that. You can't do that. It, like I said, it buries the lead. It, it definitely buries the lead. You, but I, I think he's 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 got a valid point, but he's got to be careful. Do you think that there's something that he could do to kind of backtrack that a little bit or moving forward? Um, is there a better plan of action, I guess, to, yeah, to just not fix I don't that? Know. Dude, you guys know Twitter. <laughs> Some, sometimes <laughs> you gotta just that? let things go away like sometimes you just gotta be like ah you know what i'm not gonna say anything the issue though is tony's got his big show this week with page versus danielson in the in the rematch of the title so i'm sure he's like doing press for it so it's almost unavoidable right. but the last thing you can do is like try to amplify it or apologize on twitter because once people sink their teeth into something they're like pit bulls they're not gonna let go you can do whatever you want it just doesn't matter so you gotta lead by action Words don't matter at this point. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. And what about on the WWE side? Um, how how do you think their storytelling has has been or has it improved or who's kind of doing a better job in that in that department? Is <laughs> that a conversation that we're even allowed? <laughs> Are we no, having that I mean, conversation? <laughs> I think it's hilarious because a lot of people point to WWE and say, well, you had Biggie as a champion, right? And you had. Bianca Belair is a champion. You have you have people of color as champions, right? But the problem with WWE is like really bad storytelling. Yeah, with- you know it's you had that tweet that you said that I thought was really interesting of like that knee jerk reaction with Brock with Becky. Um, I guess yeah, maybe elaborate on some of that stuff because I, I found that really interesting. Yeah, so when Bianca beat Sasha at WrestleMania, it felt like a changing of the guard, right? For once, we had you had two African American women main event WrestleMania. You had Bianca Belair now ascend to the top of the of the company, and as she was carrying the title, she was doing great things outside of the ring to represent, right? Like we saw her everywhere, and now we get to SummerSlam, which is supposed to be a rematch with Sasha. Sasha's out, uh, you know, reportedly COVID. And it felt like Vince reacted and decided, well, it's a good time to put Becky in and just put her over and squash Bianca. And the optics of it are really bad. It's not racism, but the optics look really bad. It's like, well, you don't trust Bianca to carry the torch? Like, why do you have to do this at this particular point? And you fast forward now to day one, 
Biggie's wrestling in a fatal four-way match, and Brock's supposed to wrestle Roman. Roman gets COVID. Very similar situation, and then they inject Brock into the match. And for the most part, everybody was like, "Well, Brock's going over." Now, obviously, you know, full disclosure, he's a really good friend of mine, and you know, I've seen all the things that he's done outside of the ring, from college football to being oh on my God. boxing podcasts. He's been incredible. But then to take the title away from him at, at the last minute, just because you want to put it on Brock, what does that say in how you value your talent? And especially when it comes into minority talent, because these are two people who did a fantastic job, and especially doing the run in media, hitting markets that WWE has not necessarily hit before. And then you yeah. just rip the title away from them because you're reacting. That's value. And I think when you devalue the talent, that's a whole different conversation with diversity. It's and like I said, it's not racist, but the optics look really bad where it's like, well, we're just going to put a white woman back on top. Or, well, we're going to put our powerful white guy over the powerful black guy because we feel like it. And it just doesn't look great. Yeah. What did you think about Big E being the one to also take the pin in that fatal five way? Do you think somebody oh, else should have taken it. that pin? <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, I, I hated it because if you look at E's run, he's been pinned a lot for a champion. He lost to Roman Reigns in Survivor Series, so it's back-to-back pay-per-views where you're eating the pin. That's completely unnecessary, and it makes you look like a transitional champion. And again, would that have happened to Roman? Absolutely not. Would that have happened to Brock? Absolutely not. Why do we have Big E eating the pin? Anybody could have ate the pin in that match. I, I yeah. don't understand it at all. And it makes I mean, me even question- in the sequence, even in the sequences that were happening in that match too, it was like finish, finish, finish. Everyone was kind of doing everything. It was very odd that it was E that took the pin. Yeah, it, that's your champion. And again, it just says, well, what do you think about your champion if you have him eating pins? It, it, it just doesn't make sense. And who what knows about- where they go from here? What yeah. about him? Um, wasn't it that, that one of like Brock got announced last, like came out last too? Isn't it supposed to be like a spot reserved for the champion? Like, what about even that? Like, even something that small just seems like, what was the purpose in that? Like, where's the respect? You know, like put the respect on the man's name. He's the champ. But absolutely. Misha, when you're the champ, imagine you coming out second. You know what I mean? Coming out first. Yeah, first. Yeah. You know, coming out first. And it's like, well, damn, what do you guys think of me? Like, oh, that person's a bigger attraction. That's what it says. If Dana would have done that to you and just said, hey, I'm going to put this person out, you know, last, it says, well, what do you think of me? And, you know, obviously this is scripted programming, but as Biggie being the champion, you say, well, we're going to put Brock Lesnar out last. It's like, right. If I'm a viewer, I'm like, well, shit, he's going to lose You don't you don't care about him. It's like you don't value him. And we all know from SummerSlam to Royal Rumble is a very tricky time where we see a lot of champions that are never champions before. And it's like Mm -hmm. feels like a test drive. And through all of that, it says, well, maybe you will never get another crack at this. And that kind of sucks. Oh, that's heartbreaking. Yeah. I, I hate the sound of that. That just that does not feel right. Guys, we are joined here by Andreas Hale on Throwing Down with Renee and Misha. Andreas, what are some like bigger scope, bigger picture things that can be done or changed within the wrestling world to help tell uh, these stories better? I think it all begins behind the curtain, right? Because now we have the talent. AEW has a diverse roster. Uh, Mm -hmm. WWE has a very diverse roster. But you need African-Americans and minorities and women backstage telling those stories, right? We don't, I don't need a white writer to tell a a Hispanic wrestler how to talk and write, you know, write his script when it comes to WWE. And I think when it comes to an understanding of culture, I think you need more uh, a diverse boardroom of people to make those decisions i think it really starts there the talent exists but if you don't have anybody advocating for them where do they go who do they talk to you know it's we're still in a place where 
pro wrestling is still a very white male dominated industry. And as much as we're seeing the colors change, we're still seeing a lot of the same stories being told. And when it comes to like when I mentioned Brock Lesnar or I mentioned Becky Lynch, it is kind of a reflection, and especially with WWE, of one man's view of what a superstar looks like. Right. We need more right. people to say, well, superstars can look any size, any shape, any color. If they can do the job, they can do the job. But we have to have yeah. people advocate for them backstage. Absolutely. Yeah, can we get you in there? <laughs> right? I mean, you know, like, I, I'm here. Like, I'm, you know, I'm sitting here. I, I don't know if I could ever really, I don't know if I could do it. I don't know what it would take to work with somebody like Vince or a Tony. But I think you need people who understand diversity and understand storytelling. And not especially not being there for yourself. Because it's, for me, it's like, I could go in there and say, yeah, I want to see a Black champion. But who's the best wrestler on the roster? Maybe it's Ray Phoenix in AEW. Maybe he needs to have a story told. Maybe... I need to bring in somebody that understands Ray Phoenix better than I do. So mm-hmm. it's, you have to understand the place that you're in to be able to tell better stories. And I, I know everybody really crapped all over Brandy's promo last week on, on Dynamite. I did too. I, I felt very uncomfortable and unnatural. And I, sometimes I think you need a person of color or a minority in the room to say, nah, that's not it. We're not going to do that one tonight. It doesn't mm-hmm. feel right for me. You know, right. it's, it's like I always say with uh, women in MMA, it's like I hate when white male writers or just male writers in general talk about the weight cutting. You can't do it. You don't understand what a woman goes through when they're cutting weight. So step back. Let somebody else tell that story. Right. Yeah. No, you're absolutely true. I mean, yeah, it's, it's I mean, even, you know, being there in, in, you know, my experience that I have with WWE and yeah, you're right. It's like you have people that just don't have the same experiences that the people within the ring are having uh, in, in being able to diversify that and, and broaden that I think is definitely crucial. What are some of the stories that you're gravitating towards right now in, uh, in wrestling? WWE is kind of a mess. I don't even know where to start. I have I, I do enjoy the Liv Morgan, Becky Lynch story, although I think it feel like it's coming to an end. Um, but in AEW, I just, seeing Punk and MJF, it's just been phenomenal. Because, yeah. I mean, these, these two guys are the master of the microphone. They've just been incredible. I also, in AEW, have loved watching the, the surprising ascension of Dante Martin. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, kids, I don't think he's legal drinking age, but he's, he's fun <laughs> as hell to watch. Um, yeah. And, he's incredible and then uh i do enjoy are you a hook guy are you a hook guy i was just about to say it i do (laughs) enjoy the presentation of hook and the reason why i know a lot of people are like oh he's getting boosted too quick he's got a different skill set you know he he he, he deploys judo and so it makes sense the moves that he's doing he's really smooth out there yeah, he's Taz's son, but man, he looks so cool. I mean, he chews gum in the corner. He's got a disposition that's just different from what everybody else has. So yeah, send hook, man. I mean, I'm here to send hook all day long. And of course, <laughs> Danielson and Page, I think is incredible in AEW. Um, it's hard for me to WWE because the story was Roman and Brock, and I thought it was so great. And Paul Heyman was fantastic in this role. Mm-hmm. But now where do you go? Now Brock's on Raw, I guess. I don't know what the hell's going on. I know it. I know it really does throw everything for such a loop. And with, you know, manias truly just around the corner, it's here before we know it. And it kind of, it does put up a lot of big question marks as to where they're going. I mean, it seems like we're maybe going to see Brock and Bobby Lashley. Do you want to see that? I've wanted to see that for years. Ever since Bobby first came into the company with Brock, you look at those two guys, they both have MMA backgrounds. They could tear the house down. I think that's a great match. I just, like with WWE, I just kind of hate how we're getting there. It's, it's not mm-hmm. really an organic way to get there. 
Um, but I think if that, that's the next feud for Brock at the Rumble, I think that's going to be incredible. Uh, there's no way yeah. those two can fail. I don't put a lot of on the performers. I think WWE has the most talented, one of the most talented rosters we've ever seen. It's just bad storytelling from time to time. It's just really bad storytelling. It's like it's either a knee-jerk reaction to something or, you, you know, not following through on storylines. I think that can be the thing that can be very frustrating for fans sometimes is to watch something and you're not getting the payoff. Or, yeah, you do feel like something's just kind of scramble thrown together. You, 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 we've been duped too many times and it's hard to it's hard to really buy in sometimes, which is unfortunate because I agree the talent there is just so incredible. Um, there's so many people there that I would love to see get an opportunity to, like, really, really shine. So hopefully – Hopefully it comes at some point. I mean, I, I'll say this. Can we make things matter in WWE? Can we make yeah. like, hey, we're going to do this match at a pay-per-view. So I don't need to see it every week in different variations because we're going to get there anyway, right? So like, let's find another way. I think AEW does a great job of that. They keep talent away from each other and find other ways, cut a promo or work a different match with somebody on commentary. I don't need to see... Big E versus Kevin Owens, Big E versus Seth Rollins, Big E versus Seth Rollins and Kevin Owens, Bobby Lassie. Yeah. I don't need that because I want it to feel special when I'm turning it on. I, I need it to make sense. Yeah, it can, it can start to feel very formulaic and you're kind of killing time between pay-per-views, right? Where it's just like, what kind of stipulation can we have? What kind of, you know, who can we throw out there together? Um, yeah, it can, it can definitely feel very formulaic in that sense. Um, but Andreas, thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate it. I love having you on here as a repeat customer. We're going to have to keep bringing you on to break down all things, uh, all things wrestling. But yeah, I really appreciate you coming on, providing a little bit of context of everything between Big Swole and AEW and Tony Khan and uh, diversity in professional wrestling. Absolutely. Look, anytime you need me, I am here. It, it doesn't My have guy. to just be about diversity, boxing, MMA. I'm here all yeah. day. I love you. Absolutely. I it. Awesome. Thank you so much, Andreas. Really appreciate it. Happy New Year. You too. Happy New Year. Stay safe. You guys stay safe. Yes, we will. Yes. Thank you. Throwing Down with Renee and Misha is part of the SiriusXM Podcast Network. The show is produced by Michael Russo and Kelly Murphy. Sound designed by Nari Balin. Special thanks to SiriusXM Senior Vice President of Sports Programming and Podcasting, Steve Cohen, and SiriusXM Fight Nation Program Director, Marissa Rivas. Serious XM Podcasts.